Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor. Join with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, for this week's episode. And I just want to give just a right out of the gate, brief update on my poison ivy situation. On your leprosy. From last week, because I've gotten, I've had some some folks reach out. Just check so in they on do. They're checking out. Yeah. What Did you get some recommendations? I did. Um, recommendations came in, some hand-delivered items, ointments, medicines. Were there any salves? Were there salves? Um, there was a, a salve recipe that came through. A recipe for a salve? Yeah, like, yeah, I got to put up, I got to go buy all the ingredients and put it together. I, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm not up for it. <laughs> I feel too bad to go curate my own salve. <laughs> Was it somebody from the homesteaders class? Uh, probably, yes. <laughs> yes. I almost wish you'd have done it. It would have been a fun little experiment. <sighs> I know. I mean, truly, like, yeah. like Now that it's spread over half of your torso. So the update is that this thing's out of control. And if you think that you can overcome poison ivy um, just by willing it out of its existence or just being strong enough to just, just that it goes walk away, it off, walk it suck off. it up, yeah. You're lying to yourself. Yeah. So Saturday morning, I woke up promptly and drove my sorry tail to the urgent care and just said, give me all the steroids you have behind the counter. And I'll be honest right now, your voice got a little bit of a steroid vibe going on. <laughs> not, Dude, like I'm, not half asleep, but not fully awake. Either. Roid raging. Right. <laughs> I am not happy. We're going to have some roid rage on the, <laughs> on the podcast. The, the nurse looks at me and just like, she she was like, okay, yeah, you're did she, done. Did she throw in a hazmat suit? I mean, she sadly, she was like already dressed wearing a hazmat suit. Like she was masked up and gloved up and smocked up. and Because she knew it was poison ivy? No, just that she just showed up to work. Like that's how she just works from patient to patient. And that she was already in that garb, which was really confusing for me. In Franklin, honest. Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. she try to test you for COVID then? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like no. I don't want to stereotype, but at the same time, no. you show up with a hazmat suit. No, she 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 saw me coming a mile away and felt pity for me. So immediately got shot with steroid. Uh, it's a great way to start a... That's a butt cheek shot too, it right? It is. It was. Yep. It's so embarrassing. And then... Right, to be a grown man, to have to drop your trousers... Oh, man. I didn't for a care. nice quite, lady. Quite frankly, I didn't care because I needed relief. Okay, that's fair. Stat. Yeah. And then started my steroid pack this week, which I have like two days left. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about it because things are still pretty yes. intense. Yeah, and it's Wednesday, so Friday. Friday's my last dosage. Okay. So, I don't know, man. I've tried all the things. Is it itchy or is it burning? Yes. Okay. So when it itches, you can't scratch it because you like set my, yourself on fire. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the worst of it is behind me. 
That's for sure. Like all the oily. Yeah, you're not oozing anymore. Yeah, that that phase is past. I appreciated Jesus touching the man with a <laughs> withered hand much more after watching you change your. You you probably changed it that I know of uh, on your wrist five to six times of it was just dripping through the gauze. It is terrible. Like that clearly could have dripped onto a salad, and you, oh you know what I mean. God. Like you'd have thought this is like an oil and vinegar. <laughs> kind of concoction it was fast I, so i'm you know white trash kid there's many things that we know about and poison ivy is one of them because there was always some that in lice i might add but uh there was always some kid showing up looking like he had literally uh gotten aids or something and oh, but it was like so poison bad. ivy and I, I had a good 20 year run of no poison ivy which honestly is impressive, considering you are allergic, clearly allergic to it. Yeah. And you live in Middle Tennessee with a giant yard with mature trees, mature neighborhood. That I love to keep up with. Yeah. Like, I work in it all the time. Yeah. So that's just shocking. Like, I'm looking, I can look out my back window right now and see three different trees with poison ivy on it. So Because it's just Middle Tennessee. It's, you know, water moccasins, uh, whatever, cottonmouths, and, and poison ivy. I think part of it is just the shame that I'm carrying around. Really? Of not knowing better. And had I just, <laughs> just sorry, I'm not gonna be to laugh at you, but now I get it. Just walk away. Like, why did I have to think that I could have tackled that thing? But did you know it was poison? I, did, I didn't until yeah, thirty okay. seconds in. I well, realized you'll never, you'll never forget that. So yeah, I'm just really self-correcting error. Well, anyway, sorry, sorry to you, sorry to Jen. Public service announcement. Yeah, you know, pay attention to the leaves. <laughs> but. It, what it did, though, this is my segue. For those of you holding on for the first three minutes of this, wondering what yeah, the if you're still here to, and have not thrown up your lunch yet, I t had the opportunity to teach at Place of Hope this weekend, this past weekend. Okay, yeah, and um, and they just launched this brand new garden. It's massive. This food garden is huge that they've planted. Yeah, where I'm from, that's called farming. But yeah, oh, like, it's, it's not like a they they made a farm at Place of Hope. It's it is impressive. And shout out to Dave and Deb Amon. Yes. For having the vision and the the manpower and the know-how. And the, yeah, and the know-how. It's unbelievable. They actually lead our homesteading class. We couldn't call it preppers because of the PR. <laughs> but but homesteading. Yeah, I felt like that worked a little better. That was actually really smart, Mo, honestly. Um and so because of my uh, infirmity, infirmity. <laughs> and is this infirmity. new garden, I was able to, I taught on Luke eight, the okay. parable of the soils, yeah. you know, the, the tending the, the garden of our hearts and to be on the lookout for the weeds that choke out the truth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it served as a great reminder and a real life analogy for uh, some biblical truth and parables. Yeah. And uh, this is going to sound like a giant stretch, and perhaps, perhaps it is. But just like weed spread in a garden, the poison from that weed spreads. Because when you showed up last week, it was on your wrist and nowhere else on your body. Yeah. It now, was, in fairness, it was, a, it was alarming on your wrist. Yeah. But the idea was it, it's contained and it'll be, mm -hmm. and before long, it's not contained. Yeah. And it, that, the segue that, that was going to feel like a stretch, is what's happening r literally right now in our country is the result of us not dealing with something unsightly and unseemly decades ago. And it's now spread. So true. Into, and specifically, 
what's happening this week with Target. Yeah. Uh, well, what's happening, uh, yeah, this season. So, <clears throat> so it, it kind of got kicked off over the spring specifically with this Dylan Mulvaney guy um, who is a, uh, identifies as a, a trans. It's a dude. Female. I don't know how it works, but. He either has or had uh, an appendage. And so every major corporation, not every, a large swath of corporations across the country have rallied around this guy and promoted him as he has promoted their um, their products. So major corporations. So th- the biggest being Bud Light, right? Um, Budweiser, Anhe- or rather Anheuser-Busch, one of their divisions is Bud Light. They hired him, did a promo around it, and absolutely, completely backfired across the, uh, across America. Um, to where th- this morning it was reported they they have their their largest they've they've lost ten billion dollars in market cap in six weeks. It's their lowest level. That's like ten Oprahs <laughs> in one fell swoop. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Lowest lowest trading value for all of this year. Um, this morning it just continues to tank because, um, you know, conservative. Thinking uh, doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Well, it's so here's so this is the spread, right? Which is this is how we felt and thought in the 70s and 80s as it relates to uh, same sex marriage and same sex sexual behavior, which is that it wasn't natural. Which of course later became translated as is phobic and, and hate and um, but then there was this idea that if we would just cooperate there, that they weren't looking to, to for our children. They weren't looking to you know just they just wanted equal rights. That was yeah. It and eventually that became the uh, norm. But back, look, I'm old enough to remember when it was G, there was just an L and a G in the sure. in, you know in the alphabet. And it slowly expanded to, you know, look, it's B because I don't want to make a commitment just in case, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get too committed to this. Bisexual. You know, and then obviously the T comes along and I, I've lost track of the rest of the alphabet, to be honest with you. It was like when it came down to like, for instance, when an artist changes their name in the music business, I give you one of those. But if you change it again, we're done. Like I'm going back to your original name and I'm not playing anymore. I, you know, Kevin Smith from DC talk was that he was K max, Kevin max, whatever. Okay, yeah. We're done here. No more name changes. Yeah. Um, but th- they, they added on the T they added on another name to this, um, that, you know, where we are right now is this is how we felt in the, in the seventies and eighties, the, the majority of America. And by the way, I might add the majority of the world today still thinks this way. You know, the, you know, the, and we need to differentiate between someone criminalizing this, you know, like they've done in Uganda versus just the majority of the world going, you know what, this is clearly something we're not comfortable with. We're not natural that, you know, but here we are, we've let this go for this long. And now it's into, um, you know, the T, which is the logical, I mean, it's the logical conclusion of a post-truth world is that there is no truth. Yeah. 
and corporations now jumping in and I mean being chastened. It, it, it gives me some hope that that there is a large portion of people out there that feel strongly about this still. Yeah, and there's there's some recent studies showing that. It's probably 90% of the general public does not align with this, um, this ideology. 90. But it's catered to and pushed for the 10 to cross the board. Yeah, because when you go to the corporate elite as well as the uh, educational elite, which is a very, very small percentage of our society. Yeah. In that small, it's like the epidemiologist community. The big lesson, right, was that 85% of people who have graduated in epidemiology or medical, whatever, are in a far left conservative, which is why the white coats felt very comfortable protesting. Um, but the, the point being, it was 85% of them. And when it comes to media, when it comes to especially corporate uh, and educational elite, I don't know the exact number, but I would bet it's at least 85 to 90% are fully far left, progressive, woke, whatever word you want to use. And they are the ones that continue to have a microphone that control what's going on our children's Netflix accounts, what's going on in our stores like Target. This very tiny percentage are railroading. And now that said, that's exactly what it was 50 years ago. A very small percentage that controlled the narrative of the country, but a large percentage of that small percentage was ramming down uh, an ideology and continues to do so. Yeah, so the ideology um, is really coming from the DEI mindset, the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion um, flag in the ground, per se. Like, that is... That's what's driving most of these corporations because it's tied to ESGs um, in terms of bank capital and what they have available to them. They have to follow. There's a adherence that they have to follow um, in terms of how what, what kind of cash and credit they have available to them. So ESGs, environmental, social guidance, it's basically saying like if you zoom all the way out to this, like where is this even coming from? If you zoom all the way out, it's really this idea of a global economy, all-inclusive, everyone equal, and you have to play by these specific rules from top down. This is why you're seeing things such as um, in all, the, all the environmental push, the climate control, climate change, all the way down to a woke ideology in terms of gender neutrality it's this idea like the big idea is a one world religion one world government one unified globe and the only way that they can we can pursue that as a humanity is uh is by taking these these small steps towards it starting at the bottom. <laughs> right. Just pushing a couple steps, push too far. Yeah. This is Jordan Peterson line, right? That, you know, totalitarianism will push too far, then, then withdraw a little bit, then push again. Yeah. And then withdraw a little bit. But by the time they're done, it's like three steps forward, one step back. But you keep making, they're making, in their words, quote unquote, progress, progressive. That's right. Towards 
That's the big picture. Now that's that's a that's a long conversation and that's a, a long tale. But here we are on the day to day and enter enter in uh, you know, corporations like Target who who have completely embraced this ideology. Heading into the summer, Memorial Day is this weekend, means June first is next week, and we know the month of June is Pride Month. We saw it hit really hard over, um, like they ramped it up, it felt like, in 2020 over the COVID summer. Mm-hmm. And like each each summer since then has just like been tweaking the screws a little tighter, a little tighter, a little more bold, a little louder. That's when, you know, this Franklin Pride Parade kind of came to town, the the, the festival. Yeah. Um, and really uh, dialed up over the past year Mm -hmm. um so that starts next month and because of that target has released all of their pride clothing gear merchandise displays um about a week early and they've they've continued to push just a little bit further this feels like a shove this year don't you think yeah i mean organizations like target have historically um and, and it's like the worst for me, the it's the most frustrating month of the year because I can't, we won't be able to get on an airplane hardly. We won't be able to go through a mall. Not that I would go through a mall. I'm, it's not 1985. <laughs> um, without being reminded of the virtue signaling from a, from an elite culture. Yeah. I mean, the rainbow logos will be yeah. everywhere. But this is the first time that I can remember an organization as large as Target like putting it front and center with, um, and I, I don't know if you guys are listening to this with kids in the car, but how about this is a fair warning that this is probably, I don't know that any of them should be with kids, but this for sure, maybe hit pause and come back to it later. But a tuck friendly female bathing suit mm-hmm. as part of the product, the, uh, I don't know if it was the consultants or who they hired, but that the idea that, you know, Satan supports pronouns, like it's a, uh, <laughs> it's like they're not even hiding the agenda, like a Satanist uh, consultant who's helped to do the designs for this stuff. Yeah. So if you, so <laughs> if you're bored um, or you want to be informed, um, go to Target's website and then just type in the word pride into their search, search bar. And then they, it pulls up a, f- a full page of their their pride content and marketing page for this year. And it shows all of their, their quote unquote partners in pride and all of the artists that they've partnered with for their merch lines this summer. And I mean, it's just, it's so blatant. Like it's, I'm honestly at a loss for words. Um, You know, though, so here's the thought. The biblical lens of this, it's like what you're talking about is the the conspiracy, so to speak, that's a global... Global agenda. Agenda. And somebody might bristle at that, but if you believe that there is a literal enemy, a literal Satan with literal 
you know, council of the gods behind it all, then there is a conspiracy and it's been around since, for, since human history. I mean, the Tower of Babel, starting in the Tower of, of Babel, um, let's make a name for ourselves. We want to unify around this and we'll, at, at the expense of everybody else. Like that is what happened in, uh, in Genesis um, chapter 11. But if you go back to Genesis 6 before the flood even, it, it, my point starting with Babel in Genesis 11 is to show that humans, we go right back into this because it's the same enemy. There's nothing new under the sun. In Genesis 6, it was the daughter's of men and the sons of God, the Elohim, the, the, and it was a sexual immorality that invaded the DNA, invaded the design of God in humanity that was so egregious that God had to put a stop to it because the battle for the DNA had begun to change it. So here we are in a modern time with a world that is sexually immoral um, and increasingly so that if it's the same Satan, the same enemy, that it's it's not just sexual immorality that is the goal. It's literally a, a dissecting and a disintegration, like disintegrating from God, which is Genesis 11. We're going to do this on our own. We're going to do it our way. Uh, a tower to reach to the heavens was a statement that we are God, no longer. And so you move into then a couple thousand years later, in Jeremiah 29, the people of Israel are now in a city called Babylon, which, by the way, is ancient Iraq. It's uh, Babylon was like Murfreesboro is to Nashville. Like you could get on the, the interstate and go 45 minutes south and hit Babylon. But in this day and age, like it was a, uh, I mean, one of the seven wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon, these giant walls. But in Babylon, where God had carried off, there was an agenda going on from the enemy, but there was also an agenda going on for God. He had taken Israel into exile, their own rebellion, their own. And during that time, Jeremiah 29, 11 was, was written, which, uh, I mean, for years and years and years, people, including me, by the way, you know, thought, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, you know, your future plans to give you a future to prosper you to, you know, amazing promise of God, but it was written by Jeremiah the prophet to the people who were living in Babylon during that time. And Babylon during that time was 100% defined by, like the Greek history of Babylon talks about it being a sexually crazy culture. Um, like they literally, like, the, uh, I'm going to find this quote, the, the Bible portrays Babylon as a wicked city. The Greeks considered ancient Babylonians to be a sex-obsessed culture. You could practice sex without the feeling of guilt. Isn't this interesting? Whatever you pleased, and as long as nobody got harmed. So the idea in a modern context is it's the structure of sex, sexual behavior, is actually about consent and harm, not about God's design. It's a completely different litmus test for what is acceptable as far as our sexual and our sexuality. Um, and their culture, I mean, when you look at their uh, their imagery, the stuff that survived from there, the designs, they were every bit as debauched as Rome would later become. But point being, now you've got Jewish people living inside of that culture, God's people. And what what is his design for us? And this is important. Maybe we start with this because 
what's happening with Target is is a shove forward because parents right now are going to have to make a decision. Am I going to shop in this place? Do I want my children confronted with this? Um, or we have the, the decision of, of literally just being, which I think is probably more likely for those, especially because, I mean, I'll tell you this, they're not getting a dime of my money, period. I'm not calling for a boycott. I'm just saying where my conscience is, you know, I'm apparently I'm a Walmart guy. Uh, Yeah, I did this with Costco. I love Costco. I love the $1.50 hot dog and Coke. But when they became mask Nazis, I'm like, you know what? I'll go to Sam's, take my business elsewhere. But this is, uh, this is the culture here. But with the, the culture at, you know, writ large, Jeremiah 29 actually gives us the playbook for how to be God's people, God's holy people in an unholy place. And I just had it in front of me. Here it is. Starting in verse 4 of Jeremiah 29, this is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel, to those I carried into Babylon. Verse 5. Bury weapons, hide yourselves, get, I'm just kidding, he doesn't say that. He says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, verse seven, seek the prosperity and peace of the city to which I have carried you into exile Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams and encourage uh, the dreams they encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. In verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, speaking of Jerusalem. For I know, verse 11, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You will come, you will pray to me, I will listen to you. You, keep, you, get, you know, can keep reading later in your Bible reading for that. He literally gives us the playbook for how to live in this world, which is to live in this world. Not to capitulate, not to... Uh, roll over when we stand in front of a city council and say we strongly strongly resent the idea of children being groomed by drag queens like that is not poking a dragon it is seeking the peace and the prosperity of our city I had a conversation yesterday with a, a young guy um who's on our staff, actually, and he's lived in an urban context for the last few years. He was actually born and raised here, but in an urban context. And, you know, that's one of the things that his generation is very much aware of is that we, we need to be as concerned about the people that are being harmed by these policies as we are about. Um, so, so in other words, we can't be at the expense of them, like hating them. And at the same time, you know, I, you know, my response is that's true. We, we 100% need to be operating in love. And love says for our city um, that this is what will bring peace and prosperity to our city. And I didn't come looking for this fight. I didn't, I didn't you know, but, but an organization like Target has made it impossible 
for us to not say something. I mean, I say that there will be plenty of pastors, plenty of people that won't say anything, but it's impossible to not say something because it's literally being shoved in our face. And if you as a parent resist it 100%, but your children are being raised in a world where this has become a, a normality to them. So we have to speak up and say that this is not normal. This is abnormal. You know, a, a giant corporation like Target suggesting that you should have a tuck-friendly swimming suit so that guys can dress up as girls at the pool, you know, uh, that's insanity. And quite frankly, there's a lot more options than Target these days. <laughs> I mean, there's so many options to get regular goods than Target, uh, starting with Amazon probably, not not that they're, you know, any better from right. a ideological standpoint, but... But, you know, therein lies, I'll tell you one of the conundrums of this. Yeah. This is why the Holy Spirit, I mean, we're in John 14, 15, 16, 17 for the next, well, six months, it seems, um, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And that's where the Holy Spirit's going to come in because, uh, like, I, if I'm going to fly on an airplane, like America, I think it was American Airlines last year. It might have been, it was probably Delta, honestly. Uh, giant pride adverts everywhere you walked. It was, you know. Um, but I'm still flying them. So it's like, that's why the, the idea of a, of a mass boycott is like, oof, you know, cause eventually I don't know what we do anymore. Cause I, I right. mean, for God knows Amazon doesn't have our best interests in mind. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, the Holy spirit for me is like, you know what, uh, this is a fight that your family needs to pick, which is, you know. We're especially small people anyway. That's what the Walmart's for. Yeah, I mean, especially if when it's blat as blatant as this is. And what's interesting is what's happening is already in the past 24 hours is the cannibalistic nature of even the woke ideology participants. <laughs> so it's never far enough, right? So there was, there's been backlash about these displays in Target from, quote-unquote, um, states in the South, States in the South are pushing back against this. And so the CEO of Target, uh, Brian Cornell, uh, made a statement yesterday saying that they're going to discontinue some of their merchandise in states in the South um, and then moving some of their displays from the front of the entrance to the store more towards the back so they're not as front-facing. Um, and then... California Governor Gavin Newsom has an opinion about this, so he decides to tell everybody what he thinks about it. And in tongue-in-cheek basically says, well, this is what he said. He said, CEO of Target, Brian Cornell, selling out the LGBT community to extremists is a real profile in courage. He was saying that very sarcastically. This isn't just a couple of stores in the South. There is a systematic attack on the gay community happening across the country. Wake up, America. This doesn't stop here. Are you black, Asian, Jewish? Are you a woman? You're next. That's from the governor of one of the largest states in the country that feels like Target's not doing enough that they have backed down to the quote-unquote extremists, also known perhaps as you and I, um, or their response. Wow. It's not enough. I mean, he is the, like, well, former mayor of San Francisco 
and we can look at the results of San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. Current governor of California, and we can see the results in California, and at some point is going to make a run for president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Like the line is pretty doggone clear. And it's pretty clear of what he thinks of you and me. Mm -hmm. They used to not say the quiet parts out loud. You know what I mean? They used <laughs> right. to, the the journalists of the 90s, like Matt Lauer and Katie Couric, you know, they looked at us with a sense of disgust and dis condescension. But they didn't really say it out loud. Now they're saying it out loud, which is, and, and by the way, I would... I would be just as happy as anybody is if it was Governor Newsom against Governor DeSantis in a presidential runoff because we would 100 uh, percent, the lines are about as clear as they could be in that kind of a presidential race. One ideology against another. Um, as Jesus people, A, we can't be ignorant of his devices. The idea of us burying our heads in the sand um, is it best uh, cowardice? And at worst, it is blatant disregard for the future of our children. Um, and it's not that there aren't consequences to speaking out. I think that was the thing in the conversation I was having yesterday that I, I really have been pondering is that in our culture, if we say something that makes somebody angry, um, that does not mean that we shouldn't have said it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling is proof enough of that. A 100% a, a women's lib, sexual revolution, the whole thing, and she is being blasted online because of her stand against trans ideology. And, I mean, heck, even Bruce Jenner yesterday uh, is talking out loud about, look, you know, a high school, it was in reference to a young man who decided he's a girl. He was like last place in his sport and he like got first place in the women's thing. And, you know, Bruce Jenner from his box of Wheaties, um, which is the Bruce Jenner I, I remember, you know, is saying this is crazy. So even he's saying this is crazy. But again, if it's madness and it's, it goes back to then this is a conspiracy, but it's a conspiracy of Satan himself. And, you know, Revelation 17, when you go to, you know, we talked about the beginnings of Babylon. The end of Babylon is Revelation 17, which is, Verse uh, two, verse one. So the, the, the prostitute and the beast, um, a woman rides the beast, Revelation 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. And, he, and he's referring specifically to Babylon. And I would say with 100% certainty of the, uh, of the Elohim, the, the son of God, whatever, the demonic force that represents Babylon throughout history. I will show you the punishment. Um, verse two, with her, listen to this, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. The, I mean, that's a Gavin Newsom statement 101 right there. He is intoxicated with the Babylonian idea of we are our own gods. And, you know, the end for Babylon is not good. And which is why Jesus can say, peace I leave with you, John 14. I do not give you as the world gives, because the fact is the world doesn't give peace. So if we're just listening to this right now with any sense of logic, this is a very scary, uncertain, unpeaceful time 
But the Holy Spirit promise was that we could have peace even at a time like this. That's going to be the next few weeks of us is like what the Holy Spirit's job is, giving us peace, comforting us, counseling us, all those things. Because we need counsel. How do I, how do I respond to Target? How do I, that's what the Holy Spirit's job will, will be in us. And for us as Jesus people, if it looks like we're building outposts for the kingdom, maybe. Um, I, I can't with any certainty say that a country that has killed 60 million babies that God isn't, uh, might not have something to say about that. That said, we are Jesus people living in that. And so even the, the exiles of Babylon, God said, go and live, have babies. You know, some of you might be hearing that and thinking, uh, I remember what I thought. My, my daughter Lauren was about five days old when uh, the Twin Towers were bombed in New York. And I remember thinking out, almost out loud, what kind of a world did I bring my little girl into? And I know a lot of people are thinking that right now. And the answer is Babylon. And the answer is bring them in anyway, because that do not decrease, but increase during this time. Make babies, lots of babies. Keep, have your babies make babies. Like that's, that's God's plan for us and to seek the peace of the city. You know, um, it's hard because there are those that uh, are saying things that maybe we would be excited about. And then there are those who, it was, it was the thing with the city council meeting, right? Was I, I, I literally made a game time decision. I was going to go, then I wasn't going to go, and I was going to go, and I wasn't going to go. Because I knew that there were going to be people there that were going to say crazy things on both sides of the issue. And I really felt a, a, I don't know, a peace, I felt a prompting, whatever, Holy Spirit moment to go and do my best to say something reasonable. And by the way, there were some people that have said some very, very reasonable, strong biblical things, but they're not the ones that people are quoting in tweets. You know, it's some, you know, the, the, it's the, the crazy voices that are the, the ones that are replicated, but as much of that as we can to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city. Um, it's interesting, by the way, uh, Babylon was a city, but it was also a global power, but he says, seek the prosperity of the city not the nation. I don't know what to say about that. Um, obviously, Babylon didn't get peace anyway. Babylon is going to be destroyed. At the end of that 70 years, um, Israel's going to be carried out of there. Assyria's going to like, like just wipe the floor with, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar and his people. Um, How many years was Babylon under control, full control? I mean, that was, that was... It was centuries. Yeah. Hundreds of years. Yeah. There was a tipping point. Yeah. I mean, the Assyrians came, but this is what Douglas Murray in his work, The War on the West uh, and, and The Madness of Crowds uncovers, which is that the ideology uh, as a nation is beginning to fall, uh, sexual depravity and then a, an obsession with gender is one of the last signs. So interesting. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody, the, the Ottomans for crying out loud, but that's the last burp of it. And, but if, but if you think about it, if it's like going way back to Babel, Tower of Babel, heck, going way back to Genesis six, part of destroying God's image on earth is to destroy his image, which is man and woman, which is the image bearers of Christ. It reminds me of a podcast episode I've been listening to um, this past week from our friends, Nate and Luke, over at the Blurry Creatures podcast, of course. 
Um, and if you haven't checked out the blurry, pre- blurry creatures podcast, I would encourage you to do so. There's, it's, uh, it's, there's something for everyone on that podcast <laughs> across the board, but there really is, isn't there? Yeah. If you're into talking angels, right. Yeah. Or just theology, like if there's something for everybody. But one of the things, uh, one of the guests they had on recently was Carl Teichrib, who wrote a book called Game of Gods. And I don't want to spoil the episode or his premise, but I encourage you to go listen to that episode because he does dive back into not just Genesis 3, but the fall of man, this this introduction of sin nature, sin into the world, um, and Genesis 6, of course, where... Um, the, the image bearers of God become uh, diluted in, in a way. Um, these, these, this DNA war that began. He also talks a lot about Genesis 4. Um, it, it, hmm. the, the, just the idea that the enemy, that Satan, this adversary, is absolute goal is to remove any sort of image and likeness from the creator. Interesting. From the very beginning of Satan's own upheaval from heaven, we've talked about this, I feel like ad nauseum it seems, but, you know, the prophecies of Isaiah, the prophecies of Ezekiel, that it was about his pride. It was about, there's the word, you know, equality with God. Um, I, I will be like him. I will, he's literally the idea, which is where the Tower of Babel becomes so, we want to be like God, like that we will be like God's. And one of his one of his points is that the reason we see so much of this general gender neutrality, gender fluidity, is that they believe that the pagans believe that there that we can be whoever we want, that that there is no gender, that we are like gods, that as we believe, so we are, hmm. that you can you can f- be fluid depending on how you want to live in life yeah. that that's removed, that that gender, gender identity is removed because if we are like gods, we can be who we want to be. And that's pointing back to some of this. And it, it kind of explains even some of the, the rage from people in the far, far left progressive, especially those in the transgender ideology world, when you ask a question, you know, as simple as, um, uh, there's a, I can't remember which it might've been Shapiro or Walsh or somebody, you know, there was a guy in the audience talking about transgender and, uh, he's an EMT and Walsh's question was, if you, if you, if, if you've, if you've come to a call and this guy is saying, I'm having a, a miscarriage, you know, would you believe him because he's identifying as a woman? But and the answer of course is no. But what happens is people get furious with that. Like it's, there's a rage against logic. So the father of lies, which the Bible refers to Satan as the spirit of fear itself, the rage is always fear. Rage is not anger. Rage is fear. When you see that level of rage, it's the spirit of fear rising up in a, uh, from the father of lies himself to the idea, like we talked about in John 10, when the guy that was healed, that eventually when they couldn't win the argument against him logically, they just started insulting him. And that's what happened to Jesus. It's what's happening to us right now, that as we seek the peace and prosperity of the city, there are people who have a different definition of what 
will bring peace and prosperity, which, by the way, is a demonstrably false, whether it's socialism or Marxism, whatever, you know, these are demonstrably false ideologies that didn't start with Stalin. They didn't start with Marx. They started with Satan saying, I will be like God. I get to decide what is right and wrong. And the logical conclusion of it all, it's, it's why I, I think about it like Douglas Murray, not a Christian, but he's just looking at the facts that as a society goes further and further and further, raging against God, why do the heathen rage, right? And imagine a, a, a vain, a crazy thing, an empty thing, you know, um, that eventually the gender itself goes away because it is the image of God. You know, and I've seen this insanity, the madness of the, you know, God is transgender because he's, you know, here's why it's madness because there is a biblical idea that God is other. Like he's not male. He's not female. He's, he is identified as a he in scripture, not because of a patriarch, um, but, but identified, but there's also El Shaddai, which is a, a very maternal picture. And the, the picture being that we need male, male and female because in our image, he created, let's create him in our image that the male and female is the picture of God, the masculine and the feminine healthy coming together. I don't get to choose which one God chose it for me. And the actual ideology of gender itself, the, the, the biology of it, the, you know, that was woven into who we are. My, you know, three-year-old, now I guess he's five now, but, you know, nephew, it is a, a, an absolute crazy thought that he could be a girl at this point because it's, because it is crazy. He's three. He knows that that's crazy. He, but he, you know, nobody told him to pick up a Tonka truck. Nobody told him to pick up a lightsaber and a gun and a bow and arrow. And, you know, just part of, you know, that there's the, the testosterone inside of a male. That's just part of it. And in a, a nomadic creature like a human, you needed some males that could be, you know, violent when they needed to be, keep it under control to protect. And you needed a, ma a feminine to be able to keep, make sure that the children are nurtured and, and not, you know, not raised by savages. I would say heading into this month of June, when we're about to be barraged with... Um, yeah, what's some advice for us for June? Marketing attacks uh, left and right. I think one thing that we have to remember and have to realize that this isn't just some low-hanging fruit capitalist marketing campaign to sell a bunch of things. <laughs> like, it's not just <laughs> that. This is deeply spiritual. I, 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 I believe that. Um, there is a, there is a uh, concerted effort for them to force their ideology, their religion, their faith in this upon you and I hmm. is deeply spiritual. And so how do we counteract it? Well, I mean, we, we have to remember who we are in the story. You, you say that a lot and I've, I've co-opted that. Um, who we are in the story and, 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 and to be prepared. Um, Ephesians six comes to mind, you know, reading through Ephesians six, realizing that, that there is so much happening in the unseen, that, that this is a spiritual battle that we have to be prepared. We have to be entrenched in the word. We have to be in gathering with other believers. We have to be spend time in prayer. Um, we have to, what is it? Gird up our loins. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the, uh, all the armor that we need um, to not just let it just lay lay around the house, but like put on the armor. Um, and just another like practical thing, because so much of this uh, indoctrination is coming through media, 
It's summer. It's June. What a great time to unplug. Like, you don't need to be staring at the TV all day. Don't need to be on your phone. It's summer. Get outside. Spend time with your kids. Make June a time to go on extra walks and hikes and playing wiffle ball out in the backyard or whatever. Like, remove ourselves from the stage, from the audience that, 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 that they're propping up on stage. Like, don't even participate. Great margin. Um, and do just spend spending time with the family in the outdoors, in nature. And I think just not having that be in front of our faces every single day, just to, even a little bit, just to decrease that a percentage is going to be better. Yeah. I mean, back to Jeremiah 29, plant a garden, <laughs> right? You know, make babies. Yeah. Um, Sign me up. Right. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And what I've learned in, in my uh, desire to be informed, and, and everybody knows, at least people that know me know that, you know, I find safety in information. So, uh, you know, I will read and read and read and read. But one of the things I've learned when it comes to even checking a news feed is it's the same story in the morning as it is in the evening. And if, and if it's a big enough, like I'll, by the next day, I'll know, you know, so I don't have to go back to it 20 times today to check it. Right. Um, I'm not going to miss it. So it's helped me to pull back how, how much I will allow myself and when I will allow myself to read and, and why I will allow myself. Like I'm asking myself, like, why am I? And for us, it, part of the why is that we need to know and understand the times we live in and, and know what to do about it. That's part of our job. Um, but not at the expense of my family and my peace and my, so there's a, this balance of remembering the Holy spirit and when it, the, the very practical side of it is, you know, don't go to target this month, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, maybe never again. I mean, I, I, it's so funny. I, I, I left behind, this is, it's kind of a joke, but it's really true. I left behind Walmart in Sam's because I was, I just associated that with being poor growing up. Oh, interesting. Like we were, you know. The stereotype. Yeah. There's a reason why Jack gets way better responses, uh, Jack Vale in Walmart than Target, you know, because <laughs> my people are in there. Um, and, and all due respect, I know lots of nice and, and lovely people shop in Walmart, but for my childhood, that's what it meant. You know, the rich people went to Target and we went to uh, Walmart. Um but again, back when the masks mandates were just hardcore, and I'm like, oh, I got to go back to Sam's. And by the way, go back there going, you know what? This is actually a lovely place. Like, these are lovely people. These are lovely Williamson County, you know, uh, Middle Tennessee upstanding people, and nobody bothered me uh, without, the, without the mask on. And not that that's the only litmus test, but it was then. Um, and it just, it was my small way of seeking the prosperity of the city by promoting companies that are not going to promote, or, or let me rephrase that, giving money to a company that is not going to be actively trying to undo what I'm doing with my children. So the, the peace and the prosperity of the city is, you know, Bud Light losing $10 billion in value is seeking the prosperity of the city because we don't need that being you know, promulgated upon us. Is that, is that a word? Did I just make that yeah, up? Yeah, it promulgated is. Promulgated upon us? Great. Um, and so, you know, whether we, you know, I don't know whether, 
people with Disney right now, this is, this is a really sore spot right here because there are people that, man, you love Disney. I mean, and by the way, I don't understand that. I don't understand why spending 10 grand uh, for a weekend, be that as it may, that's a thing. But, you know, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, this is not the same Disney that you started with. This is not the same Disney and Mickey and Minnie that you grew up on. Is, is it time? Can your conscience? And if so, by all means, go. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But remember, I mean, we canceled our Disney Plus membership. We canceled Netflix. We, you know, you're good. I, I don't tell people they have to. You know, people, you know, uh, tons of my friends continue to subscribe to, to Netflix. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't do that anymore. You know, don't, don't give them money because they're trying to actively undo what's your kids. And we just did the same thing with Hulu. We could not watch a show, which we're already spending like 80 bucks a month on Hulu for the love of God. Like, and I got to still watch commercials. And I don't know who they think lives in my house, but all these commercials for HIV drugs. Unbelievable. um, In between, which is, you know, these Mm -hmm. uh, gay couples and, you know, senior citizens all, you know, living their lives, uh, you know, uh, with, with AIDS and, you know, God bless people who've had to deal with that disease, but that's not what the commercials are. These are, so we canceled our, our Hulu account. Like, well, you know what? I, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to, that's right. To be, be, you know, be pitched this. So, and is it, you know, it feels a lot like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? You know, like Rack, Shack and Benny, Rack, Shack and Benny, baby. There were consequences, you know, did they change the culture? Yeah. In some ways. I mean, you know, when Daniel, uh, survives the lion's den, Got people talking. Got people talking about that. Things were happening in Babylon. Um, but I don't know. There's a part of it that makes me, to, to follow the metaphor all the way through, Jesus is returning. John 14, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you a holy, the Holy Spirit, another comforter. I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to return. Um, but until then, so it's like back to Jeremiah 29, you know, this is, this is going to come to an end. In 70 years, so I'm going to bring you back. In the meantime, you got to live like this. Um, and our, I guess our challenge is by the end of that 70 years for Israel, uh, a whole bunch of them didn't want to go back to Jerusalem because they had gotten way too comfortable in Babylon. We can't let ourselves get that comfortable here. That's right. Yeah, there's a vigilance. Um, and, and that's First Peter 5 uh, is what I've been kind of meditating on recently. Homework time. Professor Mo, giving out homework. <laughs> Get out your pens and papers. <laughs> first Peter 5, the whole chapter, go read it. But starting in verse 6, you know, what can we do? What are some things that we can do um, when we are faced with this um, assault from the enemy? Um, starting in verse 6, we can do the opposite of what the world is doing, where he says, humble yourselves. The opposite of a pride month would be maybe a humble month, Right. Yeah, we're all old enough to remember when pride was a sin, right? That's right. Uh, Starting in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8, Be sober-minded or clear-thinking. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That has never been more evident than it is right now in our culture. Verse nine, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. In verse 10, after 
you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. A promise. To him be the dominion. I love that word. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Plenty of hope. We just got to tap into, we have to have, tap into it. The, the, the strength, the, um, the victory that is already ours. It's just so easy to get caught up in watching everything that's happening and get sucked in. We become opposite of sober-minded. We get drunk on it. Mm, yeah. Um, and it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cloudiness that kind of takes over. We start seeing red because we're so angry, right? Yeah. So this is a reminder to, to, to be humble, stay humble, be clear-minded, be watchful, vigilant, um, and pursue, pursue the truth in love. It's, it's hard to do. But it's not impossible. It's not at all. It's I mean, not that's impossible. The, the Holy Spirit is, back to John 14, the spirit of truth. And he talks about love over and over again. Love your neighbor. Love you. You know, this is the new command I give you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, you know, love the Lord your God. Spirit of truth and love. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, and as John Tyson said back in Colorado, it's been a couple of years ago now, like the future is way too scary to not be a Pentecostal <laughs> <laughs> because we need an active, uh, ongoing partnership and dialogue with the Holy Spirit. In, in our lives so that we're not, because if, if, if we literally are living in fear, that's not an appealing, uh, thing. And by the way, and it's just not biblical. It's not healthy for us. It's not good for us. Um, so, so living in fear is exactly what, um, the, the, especially the T right now, the hardcore activists, I mean, obviously Gavin Newsom saying they're coming for us all. They're, if you're black, if you're, that's a fear statement all day long, factually inaccurate, fear-based, um, 100%. So we can't, you know, we just can't be a conservative looking version of, of Gavin. Uh, that's Newsom, right. You know, we are a, a example of, of Jesus in the earth and Jesus, man, he carried this ability to call sin what it was, which was sin and not live in fear of it. Um, and in the meantime, for us, you know, our daily basis is not crawling up in a hole and hiding away, but at the same time, um, living in truth and uh, truth and love at the same time. Well, I'm thankful for those that, that listen, because those that, that let us know that they listen, we know that they're they're vigilants. They're, they are vig vigilantes in, in the sense of they are very aware why perhaps they even listen to this podcast to begin with. Um, we have a, a lot of folks that uh, are on the offensive, that are paying attention, that are um, telling others, that are being watchful. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the community that we have, that we can encourage one another because it can, it can be lonely sometimes. But when we know we have a community of those that are like-minded, it really does bolster our faith and strengthens us. And so I'm grateful to those that, that listen each and every week. The next couple of weeks, we're heading into the summer, we mentioned, we might be touch and go for our podcast, a schedule, just depending on who's in town, 
Uh, we've got uh, mission trips coming up. We've got camps coming up. We've got vacation coming up. So uh, bear with us this summer. We are going to get in here anytime that we have the opportunity to do so. Um, but I know, Darren, you're, you're heading, uh, heading out for a little bit, right? Yeah, my wife uh, leaves this afternoon. Uh, she's, and I'll meet up with them on Saturday. We're going to spend a, a week at uh, Outer Banks of North Carolina. Very good. Uh, with, uh, with the kids. So, uh, yeah. I've, have you been to the Outer Banks? I have not. It's like an old, I don't know how to explain it. It's a very Atlantic Ocean, East Coast. It's a vibe. It, oh, it's a vibe. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's, but it's, it's, well, it's, it is old. I was going to say, that's probably why it's old. Uh, because you know, much of the United States was settled <laughs> along that coast, right? You know, but, but you get there, uh, depending on what part, you know, and it's like, you know, it just feels like the, uh, Oregon coast, you know, the sort of oh, older, interesting. Yeah, yeah. quieter. Um, so yeah, we'll be out there for fishing for a week. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be. Now that said, I, I mean, somehow I've given birth to and married people who get, uh, motion sickness. Oh no. So as much as I want to go out into the deep, we'll, we'll just do shore fishing. We'll come, you know, but you can pull out some hogs, man. Like I, I injured my arm catching uh, redfish last year, or year before. And that was like maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred yards from, from shore. Oh, uh, so we'll still do. You're not going to pull any barracuda or any, you know, sharks out of that probably, but. Talk about going deeper. Going yeah. deep into the ocean. Well, we're not. We're going to be going shallower. But so, <laughs> <laughs> so that we don't have to cancel the fishing trip halfway through. Well, I hope you have, so, a, I hope you have a great trip. And we got a little family coming in for us this Memorial Day weekend. Excited to see mom and dad and, and hanging out and grilling. Um, it's always, it's always a good thing. Um. Does your dad do the grill? Or how does that work in your family? No. He passed um, the baton, passed the Yeah, no, I'll handle it, but I've I've got uh I got two grown men son for sons now, so they enjoy grilling more than I do, quite frankly. Oh. And so uh as long as we got When did that happen? Because Ethan's still not feeling it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> within the past year and a half, when they both got married and moved out of the house, I think their wives Oh, uh, prodded it. them to, hey, maybe we should grill out. And so they've started to figure it out. And my one son, Gabe, is he is quite the uh, chef. He's become a fantastic cook. So looking forward to some, some meals from him maybe this weekend. So there you go. Yeah. So you and your dad will sit and be fed by That's it. right. Man, the, that, the blessing. That's the, 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 <laughs> the biblical idea of uh, Pass passing to the generations right there. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll see you soon.